Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I'm going to start with an article someone sent me. It's called, Activist House Flippers Take on Wall Street to Keep Homes from Investors. Basically, what the uh, the article is about is about a bunch of housing groups around the country that have started trying to counter what we do for a living. In other words, us as independent owners, independent operators, and people like Blackstone, who are buying thousands of houses, have realized that the houses to buy that make great rental homes are the low-end houses. Since they're not building any more low-end houses out there, starter homes, as we used to call them, uh, because why? Because it's too expensive to build them. The um, government regulations alone cost literally $85,000 to start with. In other words, whatever you're going to build, doesn't matter what it is, just putting in the stuff the government requires you to put in is 85000 bucks. So you're starting with a home cost that by the time you build the house, you buy the lot, there's no such thing as a starter home anymore. They're starting around 300000 brand new now, and that's cheap. So the bottom line is the stuff that we used to buy for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, 120, 130, 140, 150, you get the idea all the way up to 240, 250. We were, it's just not there anymore. And what is there in the 200s to 300s price range getting bought up rapidly? by independent investors like ourselves and like these new giant corporations uh, like Blackstone. Now, what happened was Warren Buffett about 10 years ago said, you know, if I knew how to manage all these properties, I'd be buying real estate. That's all I'd be buying is houses because that's where the next giant gain in asset value is going to occur. And he was 100% right. And they started setting up these syndications that were buying these things all over the country. So what has that done? That has made it almost impossible for entry-level buyers to get in. Now, this article is pointing out an additional factor in this in this chase, and that is when beginner homeowners, which have a hard enough time qualifying for the loan, especially now with these new interest rates, which is making it very difficult for them to qualify, with these beginner home buyers, they're given a pre-qualification letter, and they're sent out there to go look to buy a house, and they find something they like, and they go and make an offer on it, sitting right next to their offer on the table, even if it's the exact same price, is an all-cash guaranteed to close within a few days or week type offers from investors. And their offers of, you know, say, okay, I'd like to buy it. I want to go through and do due diligence. I want to complete inspection. I want you to tell me everything that's wrong with it. So full disclosure, because it's a personal residence, you have to give me full disclosure, blah, blah, blah. These investors go, I don't need any of that. Here, I'll give you this amount of money. And if that offer is the same as, you know, an individual trying to buy for themselves, they're going to take the investor's offer every time, the all-cash uh, no requirements type deal is is going to going to close every time 
in front of these individuals trying to buy their own starter home for the first time. My uh, son, we just had uh, buy a home. He bought the rent house he was living in. That was the only way he got to it. Because he was living there, it would have created a hassle for the owner to sell it out from under him. He would have had to sell it to somebody who's willing to pick it up as a rental property, which would have probably lowered its value. He sold it to our son, and so he got first dibs at something. Otherwise, entry-level people just don't have a chance. Our daughter, on the other hand, came into existence with her significant other, uh, who they intend to get married, I believe, and um, they bought a house together from his grandmother. And um, that's how they got their first home. You know, that's where they had the in, the in in the transaction to be able to get in front of other people because grandmother sold it to grandson and girlfriend, and they bought it together, and I guess they're getting married, so they have that planned out. So, you know, we're sitting here, guys, with this situation where these entry-level people can't buy homes. So along comes housing authorities, and the housing authority of Milwaukee called Axe Housing, a Milwaukee nonprofit, has helped local and income family, low-income families buy their first home for more than two decades. More recently, though, these families have been losing out to investors whose all-cash offers are more attractive. If a family is willing to pay the same amount for properties investor, how do we make sure that family gets an opportunity? Well, the president of that group said, we have to buy it like an investor. So what are they doing? They're putting together a giant fund. Uh, this Milwaukee fund is an emerging strategy among housing groups all over the country who are now trying to put together cash funds to be able to go out and buy homes like investors and then fix them up like investors do and then turn around and flip them back to first-time homeowners and low-income housing people. Uh, and I guess what that does is if they sell it back to them, if they can get them a loan and get their money back out of the deal, they throw that money back into the, the fund and the fund keeps doing what it's doing. So what do I think about all this? I think it's a good idea. I think it's a great idea in this uh, basic commodity. I would much rather see governmental agencies or quasi-governmental agencies or just private nonprofit agencies competing in the open marketplace against investors instead of the government coming in and mandating that we can't buy houses anymore or that we, we have to let homeowners, homeowner occupants have first shot at these things. And that's the way most houses that are foreclosed by HUD or Fannie Mae are sold, is that they have an owner occupant period, a week or so, that investors can't buy it, and owner occupants have the first shot at it type deal. Um, I think it's great that they're out there competing. Um, yeah, they're competing against us, but you know, they're competing for a good cause. These people need a place to live, too. Here's the value behind it. In our society, what's happening is there's a massive transference of wealth from the bottom to the top. And the people at the bottom feel it. And so that's why they're pushing for us to become a socialist country. And um, because they can't get anything. Why can they not get anything? Because the way it's set up right now is the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. And no matter what we believe as the rich people, 
we've got to understand that whether we believe it or not, we believe that these poor people can just step up and start doing what we do and get out there and raise their level of existence to where our level of existence is. The answer to that is twofold. Yes, they could over a long enough basis of time with the correct amount of mentoring and the correct morals about life. Challenge. These people have no morals because they're raised in a moralistic society. Nobody cares anymore about any values other than me, 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 and I, right? So their ability to wait is non-existent. The younger generation has been given everything at once, instantaneous gratification by living on a phone that the second you want something, it pops up. There's no waiting. There's no looking into anything. There's no driving to a store anymore. You sit at home at night and order yourself thousands of dollars worth of stuff, and it comes, it shows up at your door the next day. They don't have the patience to build wealth. Now, there's another 10% like you that's smart enough to know that you should be thinking about your finances. That's why you're listening to this radio show. You're listening to find out more about it. Other people don't even know. They don't even think about it. They're not thinking in advance, that far in advance. Uh, and they've never considered or believed that they could even own real estate. They just don't understand how to go do it as a human being, that anybody can do it if they really want to. So... In the past, what would happen is at least those people would buy a home. And so I'm going to give you two examples. My dad, when I was a kid, bought a home for $10,000. And by the time we moved out of it and sold it and moved to another city, he sold it for 100000 bucks. I mean, you think about that. That's a massive amount of wealth growth. And remember, that's a long time ago. 10000 then was probably 100000 200000 now. Uh, I know people that bought houses that went up to a million dollars in California. So... These groups, these activist groups, are buying these homes, paying cash for them, and then fixing them up because it's another reason that entry-level people can't buy homes. These homes are not in good enough repair to want to live in them and or probably even get mortgages on them. So whereas an investor can buy it all cash, there's no limitations because there's no mortgage company to say no, uh, they fix it up and turn around and sell it for way more than what they bought it for or, in most cases, rent it out. And in that situation, they're just filling neighborhoods with rentals, which is another complaint this article had, is that it's ruining neighborhoods because you've got people that are not tied to that community. There's not neighbors anymore. There's the guy living there now, and there'll be the guy living there next year in that lease, and the next year in that lease, and you never get to know them. You don't have sense of community and so on and so forth. So that's another thing that they're complaining about having investors buy up all these houses and control all of this real estate. So does that hurt us? No, not really. I mean, yeah, there's more people competing, but what you have to understand is that there's way more houses and way more apartments for any of us to buy than we could possibly buy. It's, you know, when you first start, you don't think, man, there's not enough deals to go around. Then you start seeing stuff. You know, if you ever buy a blue car, you, you start driving around, you see blue cars. If you ever buy a Porsche, you start seeing Porsches everywhere you go. You would have never seen them before, right? I, every time we buy a new car, you never even notice them. But if I buy a new model, some guy, boom, you see them everywhere. You just are aware of them. Same thing with real estate. Everybody joins lifestyles in no time at all, starts seeing real estate everywhere. It's on every corner, Try driving from home to work and counting how many apartment complexes you see simply on the route you took 
and on the main street you're driving down. That's not counting anything behind the main street, and that's not counting the thousands of routes that go from one side of the city to the other. There's just thousands of apartment complexes and hundreds of thousands of units available. And the same thing with houses. There's houses everywhere that you could possibly turn. You can't you can't throw a rock and not hit a house. That's just the way it is, right? So having said that, this is something that I, you know, they sent me this to say what I feel about it. I don't feel anything negative about it. In fact, I think in our society, if we help the people at the bottom survive the ignorance that's being taught to them in our educational system and so forth, and the the ignorance that is the leftover of their parents' ignorance. Because think about it now. We've got generation after generation of this stuff. Um, people my age, we got a lot better education when we went to school. We were more, had a better work ethic, you know, than what they have right now. And these people have got to change. Now, I will tell you one thing that's interesting, and that's my kids. My kids had no interest in investing, no interest in assets, no interest in getting ahead until they hit age 31, 32, somewhere in that range, and hooked up with somebody. And Think and Grow Rich, it says one of the most, you know, talks about the things you should do. And one of the things it says you should do is get married and have a family. Why? Because until you get married and have a family, everything in life is dating. It's chasing the opposite sex. Once you get married and have a family, now it's time to think about the rest of your life. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Roadmap to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. You allowed 15,000 members into your Thank sandbox. You. Thank yeah. you. And so that speaks volumes. So for that, and as a family. So you know why I did that? Everybody what? always asks, why did you do this? Because I was an ugly kid. My parents used to have to put a pork chop around my neck so the dog would play with me. And so I always wanted to have friends, and I figured if I could make people rich, they might be my friend. Join Dell and his successful friends. Start with the free online workshop. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. For 30 years, I've taken the smartest people I could find and then held them up as examples for you guys to learn from. We're all only as strong as our best people. But the best part about this is that these best people are willing to give back. Ready to learn from the best? It starts with our free online workshop. Stop depending on your paycheck. Quit worrying about retirement. Register now at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. You know, it's getting close to the holidays and my mind starts changing out of work mode and into hobby mode, I call it, and or holiday mode. And one of my greatest hobbies, and by the way, I'm going to talk about hobbies here for a while, 
One of my greatest hobbies is my woodworking hobby. Actually, it's not just woodworking. It's woodworking and metalworking. It's constructing things, building things. And I build a lot of things. I told you I've built bridges to go over my ponds. Um, I built a trellis and a, a swing and stuff in my backyard. I build all kinds of cabinetry and furniture and just all kinds of stuff, right? But I do it mostly because I like the process of thinking things through. So all my life I've been a builder, a builder of teams, sports teams, a builder of employment teams. In other words, when I had when I had a job and I owned, I was a management staff person. I had to build teams under me, and so you had to be able to decide what you were going to bring into your team and then get it developed and get it fit in and figure out how to use it all. And so there's a there's a lot of planning and so on and so forth going on. But so I've always loved construction. Now, I also have a hobby of trains. And I started train collecting when I got cancer and I thought I was going to die. And I thought, well, you know, I got all this money. I don't know what to do with it. I'm going to die anyway. I was single. I think I'll just collect trains just because I love it and I want to do it, right? So I started doing it. And after I got all the trains, I go, you know, I probably should have a layout. So I built, I'm on like my fourth version of the layout. It just keeps getting bigger and more complicated and with neater stuff on it, right? But what the layout allowed me to do is I started building this really elaborate layout is that it got me back into my woodworking hobby again. And uh, then my woodworking hobby drug me into my tools hobby. And then all of a sudden it's Christmas. And then you know what that happens. It's right at Thanksgiving. They start having all these tool sales in every one of these stores. And so then you start organizing your thought process. Well, what tools do I not have or what tools do I need to upgrade and then they have all these combo sets. And one of the things I found when I started looking into these combo sets was the fact that you could buy three or four tools together for a hundred bucks. And where each of the four tools in that group or three tools in that group would cost, you know, $200 each, 150 bucks each. And so I bought a bunch of combination sets and everything, right? Just to see what, you know, they really were and had them come in through the mail. And uh, then I went down to the store and saw they had all kinds of, other tools on sale, the ones that were normally much more expensive, $150, $200 a piece, on sale for anywhere from $59 to $79, $89. And so I wonder, hmm, okay, what's the difference here? Why are those a little more expensive but still way less than what they normally are? That's a sale, but it's still more expensive than the ones on the Internet. Why would they sell them that way or less expensive than the packages? And what I found out was when I went and I dug into it all, is that the package deals are all older tools. And I mean older, they're not used. What I mean is there are new models being built of all this equipment, all these tools every single year. And so what I found out very quickly was is that this whole line of tools that I bought were old. They were, you know, they're outdated. There were better ones with more power and, you know, more things that they did, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They were just all around better. So I bought the line of new tools and took back all the old ones at the di- super discounted prices and bought new ones at discounted prices and went in my shop and started organizing my shop. At the same time, I'm building some really elaborate stuff for my train layout. So I'm getting into building my, you know, the train layout, which is leading me into electronics because I need to change the electronics on the layout to make it complicated enough for the stuff that I'm building. And so I'm getting into that. And all the time, 
my wife is over here out shopping for stuff to redo her closet. You know, her closet is like a shrine to her, and she's got, you know, her closet looks like an expensive clothing store. I mean, everything's out where you can see it under glass cover. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Man, you don't need to know what I'm talking about. You hope you don't know what I'm talking about. But it's like a shrine in there. And so she's constantly rebuilding that and remodeling that and adding to it and so on and so forth and throwing out her old stuff and buying new stuff. And, you know, I guess stuff changes as far as uh, designs and patterns and whatever. So she's got it going over here, too. And we're just like, piddling around with this stuff, spending tons of money. I started thinking about it. Two things hit me really hard that I started thinking about I want to discuss today, and that is, one, how many people even have the time to spend on hobbies? I mean, my hobby is fitness. I got to work out an hour a day at least three days a week, and I, I just, I'll stop everything else to get that in because that's my life. That's my health. That's this, but it's a hobby, Right. Uh, I don't consider it a hobby, but it's a hobby. And uh, because of the way I do it, I mean, you can just ride the bike. I could work out of my gym in my garage. I have my own gym. But I prefer to go to the gym and get serious about it, right? So I got to fit that in. Then, you know, I've got all this tools. The other one is I pick back up gu- uh, guitar again. And so I bought a new guitar just, you know, to get me excited about playing again. And I started studying all the, the experts and, and following all the great guitarists and learning their techniques and how their techniques were different than other people's techniques and trying to pick up some of their stuff. And, you know, you, you try to play their songs, but there's playing their songs and then there's learning to play their songs with their techniques and stuff, which is completely different. And so I started getting into learning their techniques and learning to play their songs with their techniques and so on and so forth. And then I got busy back over here in woodworking again because the train uh, layout was really starting to come together. And I started thinking, who has the time to do this? You've got to be retired. Some people will never, ever have that privilege to spend a whole day long, every day, five, six days a week at their hobby, doing the things they love to do more than anything else. Oh, by the way, I also have to spend 30 minutes to an hour a day on my pond uh, and cleaning my pond and feeding my fish and my dogs. Loving my dogs. Dogs take massive love. They give massive love. You got to give them massive love back. You got to walk them. You got to take care of them. You got to potty train them. You got to play with them. You got to feed them. You got to blah, 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 blah. But on the other hand, it's where I get most of my love. It, it, this, you know, at 66 years of age, it, it's not like you're the 20 year old bouncing off walls anymore. You're, you've got a relationship with your wife. There is sex, but you know, it's just not the same thing. It's like, Hey, what are we doing? Where are we going in life? Okay, great. I'll meet you back here by, you know, six, seven o'clock tonight. You go shop and do what you want. I'll go do what I want and we get back together for dinner type thing. But man, those dogs, they are there all the time and they just give you constant love. So you have to go and pick up their doo-doos. They, yep. So even though you, you love them to death, there's still responsibilities there. So again, hobbies. So first thought was, who has the time to do all this? The second thought that hit me was, who has the money? Because I'm everything is expensive. Every hobby I have is expensive as can be. And then I started thinking of what, what kind of hobbies do all the rest of my friends have? Because they don't have the same hobbies I do. None of the lifestyles people do. And then I started looking at it. My daughter's in Sky, and I pulled this thing up. Here is 15 of the most expensive hobbies in the world, right? Number one skydiving. Guess what my daughter does for a hobby? She's a pro bodybuilder now and a skydiver. She doesn't have a job. She's a pro bodybuilder and a skydiver. Come on. The next one is scuba diving. 
Frank, my best man at my wedding, and about 10 other Lifestyles members are full, not full-time, they are regular scuba divers that dove all over the world. I mean, I've got so many friends that are scuba diving experts that it, it blows my mind. Now, I don't do it because of some physical limitations I have, but I have done it, and I love it. It's a great thing, but, you know, expensive as heck. you got to go somewhere to go do that, right? Here's one, car racing. And um, I don't know that many guys that are car racing. In fact, I don't know if I know anybody that's a car racer, but here's the other one that goes with it, car collecting. And I have friends that are car collectors. In fact, I have quite a few friends that are car collectors. It seems to be a weird thing to want to have a bunch of cars. Now, I have a bunch of cars, but not because I'm a collector. It's just because we like a variety of stuff to drive, and we have the money to be able to drive them. But there are guys that, that collect them, like uh, one of our mentors, Scott, here. He, he collects cars. That's his thing. <laughs> and so that's kind of an expensive hobby. Bottom line is, is that car collecting, flying. I got guys that fly here. Lifestyles has many pilots in it. And my ex-girlfriend was a competitive dancer, so she was bound and determined that I was going to learn to dance. And uh, we did that every week for two years, I think. And, and she paid for those because she said, I'll pay for it because I want you to dance. I said, I don't want to dance. I don't care. But I'll tell you what, after it was all done, she gave me a heck of a gift because that was a lot of fun. And, uh, well, it's very frustrating and painful. But once I learned it, the next one is yachting. There was a point when I was 40 where I become a multimillionaire and I had more money coming in than I ever dreamed of needing. No matter how cool it looks to be sitting there on a yacht, it doesn't take long before it gets tiring just sitting on a yacht. Maybe you cruise around, you know, four or five miles an hour or you sit and you lay in the sun, you get sunburned and uh, you drink. Then the thing hit me also was that it was all old people for some reason. And remember, I'm 40. I'm a millionaire already. And I'm hanging out with guys who got yachts. These are not kids. These are young, these are old guys. And what I noticed was in the yachting community, everybody is like, uh, let's say, a very successful businessman is successful by 50, 55. So they're all, let's say, 55 and up. And the women are probably 45 and up because men marry women 10 years younger than them now. So, yeah, some women young, marry young guys, too. So, you know, then it goes the other way. I get that. But the bottom line is the people that own yachts... Whoever it is that actually has the money in the family owns the yacht is not a young kid. These are older people, and you go hanging out with the people. They're kind of fun. A lot of them are fun. They're they're you know interesting and fun people, but they're old people, and old people are old. And there's just a you know. And what's funny about me telling the stories? I'm now one of those guys. I'm 66 years old. I'm old, and I'm not the 30 year old crazy guy that's going to run and jump off the boat and get so drunk I'll fall down and you know scream and yell and make noise. And no, I'm just going to sit there and get sunburned and drink a glass of something. You know, it's just not the same. And so that went by its side. Then the next one was motorhoming. And man, I'll tell you what. So many people in lifestyles, that's their hobby. The dream is to hone a motorhome and travel the country. And John Ridgway, if you remember him, we called him Johnny Lama. Johnny finally just took off in his motorhome one day. We never saw him. You can tell I'm quitting. I'm gone. And uh, he took off. And But there's lots of other guys, I mean, had these motorhomes. And so... Because there was so many of them that had these motorhomes, I said, okay, let me try out the motorhome thing I've seen before I go buy myself a motorhome. And so I went out a couple of times, and what it is is driving around in a motorhome. 
And okay, so driving around in motorhomes a little bit better than driving around a car because you can get it and walk around, maybe watch TV if you want. Some of them have the, the mobile antennas, but still you're just driving around a car. You get somewhere, you park it, and then you're there and you're parked. And it's like my, my non-love for baseball and my non-love for golf. You say, what do you mean non-love? Well, I don't hate them, but I have no affection for them whatsoever. Why? Because watching baseball, unless you're watching the World Series and the best in the world play, and it's your team in that World Series, like it is in Astros, it's just like watching grass grow. It's just waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen. Same thing with golf. That's even worse. It's like watching grass grow. You're just literally watching grass grow. And it's just, I can't get off into stuff like that. And so those are very, very expensive hobbies, guys. To do what? To go somewhere and to be slow. Motorhome people are slow. Now, I got another friend that's a motorhome guy, Scott Tenney. Who's not slow? Scott is a lunatic, rich lunatic, not as old as I am, maybe 10 years younger than I am. But ever since I've known him, since he came here and became successful, he's had motorhomes. He's had um, motorcycles. He's had jet skis. He's had uh, snowmobiles. He's had every kind of motorcraft you could possibly think of. And he just parties. He just He's an outdoor guy. And he enjoys the heck out of his, so... Looks like we're coming to the end. I hope you all remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.